Thanks, Phil. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do ask that you would be with us as we come to your word. We do pray that you would excite us, that you would tell us, that you remind us of your grace and mercy and love, and we pray as we do this that you would encourage us, encourage all of us, those at home, those at here, and encourage our lives that we might be empowered to live for you and for the glory of our precious Saviour's name we pray. And please keep me from ever, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've been doing, uh, hi, how are you? Sorry, good morning. 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 I, I'm not sure if I said a morning to you, but I, I better say that. Uh, morning, Joyce. Did I say morning to you already? I did. Oh, that's good. Uh, we've been doing lots of psalms of lament, and this is a psalm of exactly the opposite. And the title of today's sermon, if we call it that, Praise, Receive and Dwell in Our Saviour. It's a psalm, 148. It's a psalm of glorious praise to Lord and God who made all, for he is to be praised above all things, for there is none like him, none can come close. None compare to our God who has made all things and has them in his hands. We are commanded in this psalm to praise him. But not only us, all of creation from the heavens above to the earth beneath are called to praise his name. See with me the first six verses, if you're looking at it, Praise from the heavens, verses 1 to 6. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For at his command they were created and he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass. Verses 1 to 4, as you look at the call upon the heavens and the angels to praise our God, our Lord and Saviour. The sun, the moon, the stars reaching to the highest heavens are called all creation called to praise his name. Why? Because it simply declares that our God is worthy to be praised. At Christmas, you might remember, do you remember Christmas? That just happened a little while ago. It just seems like yesterday. But at Christmas, remember, why do we have Christmas? It's because we remember the coming of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's, as we were looking this morning, it was born human. And in that humanity, it seems like such humble beginnings. Where do we find ourselves? In some palace, in some great temple? Where do we find ourselves in the Christmas story? We find ourselves in some sort of manger thing. Animals. Doesn't sound very whatever. Doesn't sound very nice. I don't like it. I'm about to go away. I hope I'm not staying in a manger. It's very humble, isn't it? Very earthy, very human. But what does Christmas remind us? At that scene where it's all sort of humble and 
bit mucky and dirty, we are reminded that here is the Lord of all creation. Here are people coming to worship and to honour and the star and all the things that go with the Christmas story. With such humble beginnings, but right at the start, we were reminded only yesterday, well, it seems like yesterday, how great and awesome that the Saviour is, and he is worthy to receive praise, and he receives praise from all of his creation. That's what Psalm 148 is reminding us of, that the Lord made everything, he commanded it to be, and it was so. He brought it into being. No one challenged him, no one could stop him. He spoke, and it was. It didn't happen by accident. It wasn't a fluke. God made our world and he made us. He made you. He made you for a purpose. He made the world for a purpose. He brought order out of chaos, bring beauty where there was none. Our world declares and screams at us, God is great. Our world is not what it should be. We know that because sin entered our world. But God's thumbprints are all over it. Its creator is here to be seen. And the psalm declares, let all the earth praise him, which is our second point. Let the earth praise from the earth, verses 7 to 12. And again, if you read verses 7 to 12, I hope you notice in verses 1 to 6, there were lots of limits from here to here to here to here. They're again explored in verses 7 to 12. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. You mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and cat and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and ru all rulers on earth, young men and women, old men and children. Notice the limits. Doesn't matter where you are, whoever you are, wherever it's been, whatever it's saying, everyone, whoever. Everything, whatever, how great, how small, seemingly minuscule, so mighty, all these things from the depths of the ocean, the upper limits of the atmosphere, the mightiest of all land formations, insects, birds, the nations, rulers, great kings, young, old, women, men. There is nothing, nothing, nor anyone who will not praise our God, the Lord. The glory of the Lord, screams Psalm 148, cannot be ignored. For he is the maker of all things, the giver of life, and he will be praised. His glory will be acknowledged. His glory will forever be praised. We especially are praised by his people, which is the third point. Verses 13 to 14. 
Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above all the earth and the heavens, and he has raised up for, for his people a horn, the praise of all his faithful servants of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. The movement is now upward, taking God's name above all, both heavens and the earth. His name is exalted above both the heavens and the earth. His name, as we might know, is a name above all names. Our God is exalted. His name is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. But notice how God has acted for his people, verse 14a. He has raised up for his people a horn. Now, horn is a, there's lots of symbolism in this, isn't it? Lots of symbolism. And horn is part of that symbolism. And what does it represent? It represents strength, power, might. It establishes the Lord's people, this horn, and gives them a place. In David, God established his royal line. In Jesus, that line reached its fulfilment, the God King, ruler of all, maker of all, perfectly human, perfectly God. God, great acts have been fulfilled in the coming of Jesus. Remember that time at Christmas we were acknowledged that he had come. Why did he, Jesus come? Remember Christmas? It's just down the other way. Remember it? It just happened. Why did Jesus come? He came to, re- no one answers the question, do they, when I ask them? No, I've noticed that choice. No one answers questions. He came to rescue. He came to save. God had come to save. He reigned up a horn of salvation, a mighty power and strength that would procure for us eternal salvation. As uh, Nina told us, he died that he might fulfill the law perfectly and die in our place. I thank goodness for that because I cannot die in my place. I certainly will die. But Jesus has died in our place. That horn of salvation has come that we might be rescued and that we might have a place in him. Which is an interesting thing it says in verse 14. Notice that phrase, the people close to his heart. I wonder, do you feel like you are a person that God has close to his heart? Uh, we're Presbyterian. We don't often say things like this. So uh, we don't really talk about hearts and things like that. But there it is in Psalm 148. God has a place for you in his heart. You are close to his heart. Uh, I don't know what you think of yourself, but Psalm 148 declares whatever you think of yourself, God actually really loves you. He sent his son to die for you, to prove it. He sent his horn of salvation to perfectly live a life for you, to perfectly obey the commands for you. He perfectly died on the cross for you. 
and he rose again to life and to glory for you. Why? Because Psalm 148 declares you have a place, a place in the God of not just a maker and out there and away from us, but the God who came to earth in the person of Jesus, came that he might walk amongst us as fully human, fully God, fully human, because he loves you and God has a place for you. If you know him, if you've trusted in him, please hang on to that. Please know that he has a place for you. He has come, this horn of salvation. And because of that, we are close to the heart of God. Why did God create the world? For you. To have you. And you and you and you and you and you and you. you, Of course. Not just you, but you. All of you. You know, the plural you. For us. For all those whom God has poured his spirit upon. We rest in the splendor of our God and we praise him. That's what Psalm 148 is trying to tell us. We praise him, we've received him, and we dwell in him, which is Keith tacking on Colossians 3, 12 to 17 at the end. We praise, receive, and dwell in him. Let the peace, we've gone to Colossians 3, sorry to do that. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Uh, I don't know if you've been looking around, but our world is in a lot of turmoil. In some ways, it's always in a lot of turmoil, to be truthful. Strife, confusions, uh, protests, threats, pandemics. Psalm 148 sits in the midst of that and we are reminded to remember, to praise the God who made us, to praise our King who saved us. We ask from Jesus, give us peace, peace in ourselves, peace in our homes, peace in our world. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Peace, even in the midst of trouble, sickness, worry, great turmoil happening around us, great uncertainty. A peace based on the love of God for us in Jesus. One thing I noticed uh, as I, uh, as I, uh, well, you know, I'm still, a, I'm still technically a hospital chaplain. What's the date? Yes, still technically there. One thing I noticed that it wasn't always. Not all Christians had a great peace. That's a great tragedy. Many did. And many uh, at that time of when they were coming to their end knew of that great peace and comfort. But sometimes people don't know that. But when they were redirected to it, God's people found that peace. That could be you. It's easy to not have that peace because there's a lot going on. But Psalm 148 wants to keep drawing us back to the source of our peace, to praise the God who knows us, who made us, who loves us, who saved us and has a place for us. It's a peace 
that's based on what God has done for us in the person of that horn of salvation, Jesus. As our souls soak in the wondrous love of God in our Saviour Jesus, so our praise can lead to a comfort for our souls, an assurance of a love that knew no limit, that he sent his own son to die on the cross for us, and he willingly bore that for us to bring us forgiveness to release us from the power of sin and death and to bring us to his side, for we are close to his heart. A love Jesus given to us. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Our world is in a lot of need. Our community is in turmoil. And I suppose one of our prayers should be, may the Lord bring his peace to our world, to our nation, to our community, to our families. Uh, there wouldn't be someone here who does not have someone they are desperately praying for in their family. Certainly in mine, that's the case. This is a world in such need. This is a community in such turmoil. This is our families we sometimes ache about. And us, in the great midst of all this, we find ourselves. We ask our Lord, clothe us with compassion, kindness, gentleness and patience. We ask, Lord, bring us peace. We ask, Lord, just as you have loved us, so help us to love each other, to serve one another and to glorify your name. How we need to bring the praise that was rightly due to our Saviour by living lives full of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, gratitude, obedience and love. Psalm, uh, Colossians 3 closes with this, verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God, to our God the Father through him. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us a place. We thank you that you are so wonderful. You are great. You are awesome. Your deeds are mighty. And they need to be declared and shouted in our world, which knows almost seemingly nothing of you. Yet your foot, your uh, fingerprints are all over this world. We are made in your image. Our world is made and wonderfully put together because you made it so. No accident didn't come about by accident, but came around because you purposely wanted a people. You wanted us. You wanted a world. And you made that world for us and for us to glorify you in it. Lord, we praise you and thank you for Jesus. We praise you and thank you that, Lord, we have received him. 
Thank you that in him we know that we are saved because of why? Because you are so graceful to us. He lived a life of purity and love for us, full obedience. He lived and died that we might know forgiveness. He released us from the power of sin and death because of his sacrifice for us, on which he so willingly gave for us. His power and sacrifice released us from the bondage of sin and death and raised us to new life in him by pouring his spirit into us, your spirit which binds us to you and to each other. Gracious Father, we pray, transform us. Make us worthy people as we declare your glory and live for your love. Make us more like Jesus. We ask, Lord, as we think about all these things, as we dwell in our Saviour, change us, mould us, shape us into the people we should be, that we might praise and glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.